This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello, and welcome into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant on Memorial Day, May 31st of 2021. Before we get into the show... None of us can give enough thanks to all those who have fought, served, and died for our country going all the way back to 1776. And once again, as someone who is from a family that has a lot of people who served in the military and was fortunate enough to see them all return home, those families who are not so lucky, we are thinking of you on this day. And we know that a lot of these veterans would want us to live this day. So if you guys are having a day off, you're driving to a barbecue or something like that, enjoy it, really. Have a great, great day. Monday. Saw an interesting tweet over the weekend. Came from Diana Russini. In fact, it came yesterday morning. And we've been hearing so many rumors about where Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones might end up. The Falcons are in a really difficult spot from a salary cap perspective. I didn't think that we would hear this team's name in the conversations, and then on Sunday morning we did. Diana Russini tweeted, The Falcons continue to field calls from teams interested in trading for Julio Jones. The Seahawks have had discussions about a possible trade with Atlanta, per sources. In fact, quarterback Russell Wilson and Julio Jones have spoken to discuss the possibility of playing together. A little bit of tampering. I know a lot of you right now are so excited hearing that. You are rubbing your palms together. You've got the meat sweats thinking about yet another wide receiver that could be on a team that already has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I'm here to tell you, the Seahawks should not make this trade happen. Don't do it. You have a luxury at wide receiver. And if you add to that luxury with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Julio Jones, how much better are you really getting? You're definitely getting better. How much better? I don't think that it would be that much better. And there are a lot of obstacles after the fact that you have to consider if you were going to make a trade for Julio Jones, which, at least based off of what Atlanta is desperately telling the rest of the world, would need at least one first-round pick. I don't know if they're actually going to get that first-round pick. By the way, the Seahawks don't have a first-round pick next year. No big deal. Did they trade a first-round pick in uh, 2023? Do they decide to go the route of the Rams and just never draft in the first round again? I suppose they could go that way. But here are some of the reasons that I would not trade for Julio Jones. In addition to, I don't think it gets you better enough to merit whatever cost it might and whatever salary cap figure you would now have to load into the books and just pay a ridiculous amount of your budget to your wide receiver core, a position that you know only has one guy who can get the ball on a given play. I am sure that Julio Jones, wherever he is, is going to be good to great whenever he is healthy. But he's heading into his 11th season. And the reason that I'm concerned about him going into his 11th season is this. When you suffer a hamstring injury as a wide receiver, a position that is so tied to being explosive, bursting off the line of scrimmage, that is an injury that re-aggravates itself often. And I can think of so many wide receivers over the history of the NFL who have had that issue. It happens once, it'll happen over and over again. The first one I remember growing up as a kid was watching Terry Glenn, former wide receiver for the New England Patriots, passed away tragically a couple of years ago. 
this guy had a lot of hamstring injuries over the course of his career, despite being a phenomenal talent. Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller. Now, a lot of these guys are smaller, faster wide receivers than Julio Jones. But you have it once. You never know when it's going to happen again. And Jones only played nine games this past season. So that's my big, big hesitant move as far as reason as why I would not pull the trigger on a trade like that. You just gave Tyler Lockett an extension, by the way. Four years, $69 million. You have to extend DK Metcalf after this season. You just drafted Dwayne Eskridge. How many more wide receivers are you going to bring into the fold? Building a roster is not about building a ridiculous overstrength at one position. It's about an entire roster. The Falcons supposedly want a first-round pick. You don't have that. And also, whenever a trade involving wide receivers and a first-round pick happens, remember your history. How did Joey Galloway do when the Seahawks traded him to the Dallas Cowboys? Not very well. You got Sean Alexander out of that whole deal. Dion Branch. Whoops. That didn't work out. Percy Harvin. Some would argue he helped you win a Super Bowl. Others would argue he didn't do bleep. Take your pick. He didn't give you enough for a first-round pick. That's for sure. And I think it's possible to have too many mouths to feed out wide receiver. And I would just say, when you've seen successful trades of a wide receiver going from one team to another, there is a commonality. Those teams usually don't have wide receivers to speak of to begin with. Whether you go all the way back to the Philadelphia Eagles trading for Terrell Owens in 2004, or you take a look at what happened just last offseason, where the Buffalo Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. When there is no alpha at wide receiver, this is something that I feel like is easy to make happen. When you have a ton of guys, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, probably a number one wide receiver, both of those guys, on I would say at least half of the NFL, if not more. That's how good those two are. Now you're adding Julio Jones into the mix. It looks like an unstoppable offense. For the first two months of the season, when the weather's nice, for the first two months of the season before what we have seen out of Russell Wilson the last two years, which leads me to believe that down the stretch, they have to find a way to be more effective and balanced. And guess what? That's something they say they're prioritizing this offseason, trying to be more effective running the football. Does Julio Jones help you do that? I don't think so. So those are the many reasons that I have as far as why I would not trade for Julio Jones if I were the Seattle Seahawks. My question of the day, though, is for you. What's the absolute most that the Seahawks should trade for Julio Jones? I put up a poll. First round pick, 10% set of first round pick. Second round pick, 42.8% said they would go that far. So most people said that they would trade a second round pick for Julio. 32% said a third round pick. 14% said fourth round pick. If you're going to twist my arm, it's the latter for me. It's the fourth-round pick. Anything more than that, there's just too many obstacles in the way. And I don't think that making your wide receiver core go from an A to an A-plus is enough to make up for deficiencies that you have elsewhere on the roster. If you're going to go all in, go all in on a defender. And by the way, supposedly there's one available to you right now. It's Stephon Gilmore. At least based off of what New England is saying publicly, and at least what we're hearing through the tea leaves and the whispers across the NFL. So, I get it. Julio Jones, on paper, gives you the greatest Madden football offense of all time. We're not playing video games here. We're not. 
you need a complete team. You got some real questions at cornerback. You got some real questions on defense. And adding a strength to a strength, it's good in principle. It's not something that no team should do. But this team specifically, if you have a set amount of resources and you are willing to trade draft picks for veterans, this one's, I think, one you should perhaps walk away from the table on. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. How are you going to pay him? You can find ways to pay him. It doesn't help you out long term. You can find ways to pay Julio Jones. That's not necessarily the biggest obstacle. It's something that I just think about from the concept of how much are you paying to wide receivers? Too much. Another text. 710-710. Julio costs a second round pick in 2022. He'll go to either the Rams, 49ers, or Seahawks. What's your choice? Do you really want to make a trade to block another team from making a, a trade? Serious question. In certain situations, yes. But when this is the strength of your team, just to block San Francisco from doing it or just to block the Rams from doing it, I don't know that I would. The Rams are supposedly in on the conversations, and that's the other tricky part about this too. Who knows how interested the Seahawks actually are? I don't think John Schneider would let it get out that he were interested in trading for Julio Jones. I just don't. He keeps these things close to the vest. Weren't we all pretty surprised by the Jamal Adams trade? The, the, the Jadevian Clowney trade? Like, these are, I don't think he's going to leak this thing out. This feels like the Falcons are just grasping for straws and or throwing chum in the water, hoping that some desperate shark is going to take a big old chunk out of it and potentially give them way too much for Julio Jones. They're not getting that first-round pick that they wanted. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, a show that you can listen to on the 710 ESPN Seattle app. On your smart speaker, you can watch it too, 710sports.com slash video. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's 1010. That means it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? Good morning, afternoon. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Hanging in there. Just consuming <laughs> nonstop coughs, uh, cough drops. Uh, tea, etc., etc. My voice still exists. And no thanks to one Stacy Ross, who I tried to sing happy birthday to uh, on Saturday night. And yeah, did not sound very good. Oh, no. There's video evidence of it. I just don't want to post it. I'm too embarrassed. That's probably for the best. Yes. <laughs> I'm a good singer, darn it. <laughs> Go on the voice or uh, America's Got Talent or something. Yeah, I know. I, I could definitely pull it off. I will be the next superstar. Goodbye, radio. Hello. Yeah, that's not happening. No one wants that either. <laughs> All right. Well, what is trending is, um, first off, some sad news. Um, according to former teammate Ron, Ron Blomberg on his uh, Facebook posted that Lou Pinella is battling cancer. He asked for thoughts and prayers for the former Mariners manager. Um, obviously a very beloved figure here. And then someone who was, you know, kind of known for his... Uh, his hot temper, his animated debates with umpires, and uh, this was him back when he was with the Mariners talking on talking about what he does when he's ejected from a game. I uh, took a nap. I didn't watch the whole game. You can get the summation from somebody else. Usually when I get thrown out of ball games, I'll let my bench coach manage the game. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. I went to last night watching a video of him in the eighth inning of a, excuse me, ninth inning of a 1998 game against the Cleveland Indians where the umpire makes a terrible call at second base about a runner running out of the base path. He runs out to the umpire, gets in his face, yells at him, 
goes back into the dugout, then comes back out again, yells at him some more. His hat comes off in the process, and he just kicks his hat all the way back to the dugout. Ken Griffey Jr. is laughing hysterically at it. Here's the thing about Lou Pinella. I actually lived in St. Petersburg, Florida, when he left the Seattle Mariners for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Everyone was extremely excited for him to come to town. Everyone. And they thought it was actually going to lead to the Devil Rays turning around. He, in Tampa Bay, much like he had in Seattle, had issues with the front office. Because he wanted to compete now in Seattle. It's one of the reasons that he left. He wanted to compete now in Tampa Bay. They didn't want to do that either. So he got frustrated with it. We're going to talk more about Lou Pinella later on in the show. I really wish that there were more managers like him in sports, coaches and managers, and we all wish him the best. He's one of the most important figures in this city's sports history, and all we can do right now is is, is cross our fingers and, and hope that he's able to pull through this. We're thinking about you, Lou. All right. Unfortunately, we have uh, more fans behaving badly going on this weekend in sports. A Celtics fan was arrested after last night's game for throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving as he was leaving the court. We also had on Friday a Knicks fan spit on Atlanta Hawks uh, guard Trey Young. I don't know I don't know what you do about this. I really don't think that you're going to be able to stop fans from doing things like this. They're just going to do it. And I think specifically in certain parts of the country that care about it a little bit more, or maybe a little bit too much for their own good, you're going to see this happen. Some people are going to make this a race issue. And I know that there are a lot of there are a lot of people from Boston who are really defensive about that side of things. As someone who used to live there, they should not be necessarily as defensive as they are, but I do think that this is something that's more about Kyrie Irving and the way that he left Boston. Whatever the case, doesn't justify it. Throwing a water bottle full of something at a guy, I mean, you're just trash. You are towny trash if that is the thing that you are going to go about doing. And I mean, uh, cool, you got your 15 minutes of fame. You're a loser. Just a total loser if you're doing stuff like this. But that's not enough to stop it. That's not. The NBA is a situation where you are so close to the action that you can do this stuff. I don't see it stopping anytime soon because it's just so easy to do. Hockey, you got glass. Baseball, you got nets up and down. The football, the sideline's very far away. You can still do things in each of these situations. Basketball, there's nowhere for these players to necessarily be. And I can understand why they feel the way that they do right now and why they do think maybe it is an element of race. I get it. You know, it's 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 easy to say, oh, well, it's actually about this, this, and this. But how does a player feel about that? Put yourself in that person's shoes. So, I don't know what you do about it. It's bad. I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. You would think that with the bad headlines that we have had about it that people would clean up their act. I don't know. I really don't know what you do. Maybe criminal charges, assault charges being pressed on this guy are like the first step towards making it better. But, I mean, you're going to press assault charges for pouring popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Maybe you could for spitting on somebody, but I, I, I really don't know what you do. And beating up these guys with security, as one security officer had texted in, oh, you just accidentally have them stumble around a little bit. I still don't know that that's that much of a deterrent. Maybe stocks like we used to do back in the olden days. Put someone in stocks in the middle of a town. Put them somewhere prominent in the stadium the rest of the game so that people, everyone sees. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's trending, everybody, with Maura Dooley brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 
You can listen to it on your 710 app, on your smart speaker. You can watch me and my giant eyebrows and pasty skin, 710sports.com slash video. It's time for you guys to be heard. And my question of the day, what's the absolute most the Seahawks should trade for Julio Jones? If they should even trade for him at all. 710-710 is how you get in touch with the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can call in at 206-421-3776. You can tweet me at Galant Says. Let's hear from you. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710. This is a good text. Because it's easy to say this now, but what happens, say the Seahawks decide to pull the trigger? From the 509, you wake up tomorrow and Julio Jones is a Seahawk. What is your reaction? Well, I think everyone would be, at least for a moment, excited. I think I would even be for for a moment. And I would hope that it works out. But I feel like there's just a long list of all the bad things that could happen that help that that I think weigh more heavily than whatever incremental gain he gives your offense. I don't think he's helping you enough. I don't think he's the finishing piece. The finishing piece is something that needs to come on the defensive side of things, a side of the football that is incredibly unproven. You can't outscore everybody in this league. Eventually, you need to make stops. The Buccaneers won the Super Bowl because of their defense. They also won the football because they could run the ball in the Super Bowl. I mean, they were averaging five yards a carry. And Seattle wants to run the football more effectively this coming season. Not necessarily more. And I feel like if you're going to go to an offense that throws and throws and throws, you don't want to become too reliant on the passing game. And I feel like adding a Julio Jones into it leads you down that direction. One texter asks, how well does Julio block? I think when it comes to all-star wide receivers, that's always a question. Off the top of my head, honestly, I don't think that he's known for blocking in any way, shape, or form. He is another weapon. You would have Julio Jones. You would have DK Metcalf. You would have Tyler Lockett. You would have all those guys potentially working out with Russell Wilson off-site. Is Shane Waldron going to know how to effectively use Julio Jones? Does Julio Jones fit what the Seahawks are prioritizing this offseason on offense? And I know that the obvious answer is, well, yeah, he's incredible. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game when he's healthy. But that that part, too. Can't assume his health, man. Text in 710-710 from the 425. Get Julio. They had Lockett and DK, but still wanted Josh Gordon and Phil Dorsett. Why not get a guy who can actually play? Fair point. But you have to have him be consistently available. 206-421-3776. Let's go to Brian and Fredrickson. Brian, what's up? Hey, good, good morning. I love the show. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, Brian. Um, what you got? I was, yeah, uh, just weird thing. Russell Wilson got hit a lot, and you want to go get a wide receiver. That doesn't help the, the Russell Wilson situation, knowing that the, that the vision is super tough. It's like the Bengals going to go get Jamar Chase. Yeah, it looks great on paper. Let's throw 50 Ooh. a game. But how's that going to help? Like like Joe Burrow, he had a knee injury. Russell Wilson getting nicked up and dinged up. Can Julio Jones block? It looks, again, great on paper. But how's that going to help Russell Wilson 
Thank you. All right, appreciate the phone call, Brian. It's a good question. And look, when you look at it from that perspective, it would give Russell Wilson potentially another another option to get to so that he can go through his progressions more quickly and he can avoid those sacks and help out the offensive line a little bit. But, yeah, wouldn't you rather have traded one of those picks for a better offensive lineman? Because you likely would have to trade a second-round pick to get Julio Jones just based off of what we're hearing. I guess Tennessee has an offer on the table for a second-round pick. Atlanta's acting like people are trade offering a first. I don't buy that for a second. And I think that the answer is, yeah, it does, it does not help you that much on that front. It would make Russell Wilson happy, though, for the short term. That, that's for sure. Russell would not be able to complain about anything again. 206-421-3776. Let's go to Robin in Kingston. Robin, what's up? Hey, Paul. Thanks for the call here, and thanks for keeping phone calls alive here. Uh, just a couple of comments of a couple of subjects of the day. Uh, I'm backing you 100% regarding Julio Jones. Absolute no. Don't give up anything. Further on the Hawks, my uh, my point is that uh, my belief is that Pete John and Russ will never win in a Super Bowl together as a group. Um, the Legion of Boom is why they won last time. But Russ is a great quarterback. My position is that Pete wins on D and only needs a good quarterback. So my sense is Russ is probably out of here next year. Um, the other thing is about Kalanick, okay? I, th- I think <laughs> if Kalanick's issue is that he's a bit uppity, He's in the perfect Whoa. slot to get as many at-bats as he can, okay, so that he really gets used to the to the men he's playing with. I think what, that's a problem. What do you mean by uppity, Robin? From Boston myself, I'm going to do – what's that? What do you mean by uppity on that front, Robin? Uh, I think he I think he has uh, kind of a disrespectful attitude. That's all. Okay. He needs to learn. Okay. That's what is that is that is, has been issue on his way up. So he's getting a plateful right now. So that's good. And then finally, being from Boston, I'm going to tell you straight out, okay, Boston is rabidly racist, okay? They're pretty good at practicing how to hide it until they can't. And my sadness is I think it's actually preventing some great uh, black superstar basketball players from joining the Celtics. So that's my comment. I'll take yourself off the air. Thank right. you. You're doing a great job, Paul. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Robin. I really appreciate that. Robin Robin is one of my favorite callers because I think he used to refer to uh, Pete Carroll and and John Schneider is Tweedledum and Tweedledum, if I'm not mistaken, too long ago, which I totally disagree with. But I just respected that he brought that one to the table. Now, look, he addressed a lot of points there. Julio Jones, no, I'm on the same page as him. Russell Wilson out, I disagree with him on that front. Jared Kelnick, as perhaps his attitude being a, a, a problem right now with that slump, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. His attitude is his biggest, I think, strength right now. 206-421-3776. More calls from you at 1045. By the way, you get to pick the topic of the day in just... 30 minutes or so. Check that. 20 minutes? You get to pick between the unluckiest athlete in Seattle needing some help, why I don't think the Seahawks can accomplish one of their goals this offseason, or why sports needs more Lou Pinella types. But up next is Michael Bumpus in the sports pit. Is it possible to have too many mouths to feed at wide receiver? He'll answer that question for me next. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining me, it's not third and bump, it's Monday and bump. Michael Bumpus, how are you now? Gallant, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Okay, so the rumor over the weekend, per Diana Rossini bump, the Seattle Seahawks have had some conversations about potentially trading for one Julio Jones. Let's start off with this. You played the position. What does Julio Jones do differently 
than Tyler Lockett, than DK Metcalf, than anything that the Seahawks wide receivers that they currently have can do. Well, it's kind of crazy. When you look at Julio Jones and Tyler Lockett, obviously Julio Jones is a bigger body. He's probably faster and can do a better job catching the 50-50 football. But we all know Tyler Lockett makes a tough catch. I'm not, I'm not doubting my guy at all. Now, when you look at him compared to DK Metcalf, that's the kind of guy we were comparing DK to, right? His rookie season, his second year, we're like, oh, he could be a Julio Jones type of guy, a T.O. type of guy, a really big receiver. I think that right now in his career, Julio, he's a veteran. He's better at route running than DK, even though DK's evolving, and I see it happening every single week. Doesn't mean DK's not a great route runner. And he does a great job going up and grabbing the ball out of the air. Like, we haven't really seen DK stretch out and grab the ball out the air. Most of the time, he has his guys beat, so it's over the shoulder or he's coming back to the football, so it's, it's in his pocket, it's in his chest. I think that's what Julio brings to the table. And now just being a veteran – and playing the game for 10 years and seeing almost every defense that's out there and not the learning curve is a lot shorter with that guy. Julio Jones is the receiver I compare DK Metcalf to. Could you imagine having two twin towers out there? Like that that would be ridiculous. You look across the board if you saw Julio Lockett and DK, don't forget Gerald Everett and Eskridge coming off the bench. That might be the most explosive receiving core in the league. It looks incredible on paper. It's an unstoppable team in Madden. But is it possible to have too many mouths to feed at wide receiver? It's possible if the mental of the receivers are off, right? Julio has to come into the situation and be like, look, they have a number one receiver. I think Julio still believes he's a number one receiver. He's got to go, look, they have a number two receiver or number one, depending on how you look at DK and Lockett, uh, and Lockett, who has caught 100 balls last year. If he comes in here, if he if they get the opportunity, if he gets the opportunity to come in here, he has to realize, like, okay, I'm not going to be the go-to guy on every single play, but they're going to have packages for him. The thing that my question is, you're going to trade for Julio. Who do you trade? Like, who, who are you getting rid of to go get this guy? I mean, I think you have to trade a draft pick, right? And it sounds like the Falcons are looking for a first. I don't know if the Seahawks are about to go the route of the – Los Angeles Rams and just trade away all their first round picks in the future going forward. Uh, what would you be willing to give up for Julio? At this point, Paul, I wouldn't mind going the Rams route. Honestly. Wow. Because you know what? Pete Carroll has what? Three more years left. Uh, Russell Wilson's not extremely happy at this point. I think if you get Julio, he can be happy. I think you go all in, man. You know, you guys asked me last week about Gilmore. I say you go all in on Gilmore. You got a chance to get Julio Jones. That means you're going to have at least a couple years of a legit chance to win a Super Bowl. I say you go all in. As long as you're not getting rid of Bobby and Jamal and these key pieces to this this team, I'm all for it, man. Go the Rams route. But Let's if, see what happens. If you got to pick between the two, you got to pick Gilmore. <sighs> You can pick him. Gilmore makes more sense, right? Because you're looking for a corner that's going to hold it down. You know that you have receivers who are going to be able to get it done. Gilmore is the smart pick. Julio's the sexy pick, though. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sexy sometimes makes us do dumb things. I, I, sure I, don't, I don't think, Bump, that would be the smartest move because I also wonder about this, and, and you can definitely speak more to this than I can. Hamstring injuries, it feels like once one happens, they just happen a lot. And, I mean, Julio Jones missed nine games last year with a nagging hamstring injury. He is now heading into his 11th season in the NFL. I don't doubt that when he's on the field, he's going to be great. I just now get a little bit nervous about how much he might be on the field given that he suffered an injury like that at this stage of his career. 
Yeah, Paul, you can't ignore the hammies. Hammies are everything, right? You're firing off the line of scrimmage. You're decelerating. You're accelerating. You're not wrong to have concerns about the hamstring. But now if you if you can convince Julio to be like, look, you're not, you don't have to be an every-down receiver. We're going to use you in certain situations. We're going to put you in position to succeed. Now the chances of him injuring that hammy again just goes down. It's a risk. You know, this is football. It's a violent game. Uh, you play in the game 10 years like Julio has played. Uh, you're going to have some injuries. But at some point, you know what, Paul? I've been at the poker table before, and I bluffed, and I went all in, and sometimes <laughs> I hit, man. So I'm like, hey, now I'm usually conservative when it comes to this stuff, but now I'm like, forget it, man. Let, let's just go and get the best, one of the best receivers in the game out there and see what happens. Michael Bumpus with me, Paul Gallant in the sports pit. You can listen to 710 ESPN Seattle, the 710 ESPN Seattle app on your smart speaker, 710sports.com slash video. Okay, well, say the Seahawks are going all in. How much more likely are they to get to a Super Bowl with Julio Jones aboard, but the rest of the roster on offense, on defense, the same as it is right now? I think they are, they are a top eight team without Julio as far as getting to the Super Bowl. I think we have to kind of wait and see how this thing evolves. Now, you throw Julio into the mix, I give them top five. It's so hard in this game to say, okay, this team's a lock to go, into, go to the Super Bowl. There was one team last year that was a lock, and they went to the Super Bowl, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs, right? The beginning of the year, we looked at Tampa Bay and their struggles, and we're like, oh, we don't know if Tom Brady knows the playbook. We don't know how far they're going to go, but eventually they figured it out. I think he bumps them up a couple notches, but it's all about being healthy and these guys learning this new system when it comes to Shane Waldron. And then this defense just being middle of the pack. This defense doesn't have to be a top five, top ten. With this offense, without Julio Jones, with this offense, I think they have a chance. You throw in Julio, man, you really got to consider it. And if they get Julio, it stops him from going for the 49ers. If he, if he were to go to the 49ers, now you're looking at the Niners a bit different too. This is the listener question of the day, Bump, and I'm glad you brought that up because someone asked, hey, who would you – not want Julio Jones to go to, but it's between these two teams, the 49ers or the Rams. What's the worst place for him to end up for us watching the Seattle Seahawks? You know what's hard about that question is that both teams have really good defenses, right? Both teams are going to give their quarterback a chance to make it happen. I look at the 49ers scheme on offense, and I think it just makes sense for Julio. I mean, he can run crossing patterns. He can still go deep. The Rams scheme is similar, but we don't know how similar it's going to look this year because we got their offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron. But something about him going to the Niners just makes me nervous. And I think it helps Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it, it, it forces Trey to sit a little bit longer than he normally would. You know, I predicted him, uh, Trey, starting, what, week three or four, somewhere right. around there. I think you get Julio, man, you can push that development back a little bit. And he, he's showing up week six or seven, depending on how this team is looking. But I think it's the 49ers, man, because they got some dogs over there. They got Debo Samuel, got Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you throw Julio in there. And those guys do some of the same things that Julio does. And now he's there just teaching these guys. Either team is going to be rough, but I look at the 49ers and I go, that's one place I do not want him to, to line up. Now that his name's been linked to Seattle, Bump, do you think that if Julio Jones ends up going elsewhere – that Russell Wilson might get a little ticked off if he doesn't go to the Seahawks, that he would somehow hold that against them as far as not doing all that they can to give him the greatest arsenal he could possibly have? I hope not. I would expect him to be disappointed 
because he's talking and texting to him apparently. But at some point, Russell has to know that you're only as good as what you have in the bank and what assets you have in this in this game. And they don't have a lot of first round picks. They don't have first round picks. You know, they're going to have to move some things around. They only have seven million dollars in the salary cap at this point. So Russell, I would understand if he's disappointed, but I think he's a businessman. I think he has an agent who's going to give him accurate information. I think that the organization is going to talk to him and keep him in the loop. That's the key right there, Paul. If they don't keep him in the loop. Now we see the Russell we saw in January, February, March. He just has to be in the loop, and he's got to be involved in this thing. You know, it would be great if he were in the loop with, you know, the Seahawks and OTAs and stuff. So <laughs> get, get that offense going as quickly as they possibly can this coming season. Uh, Michael Bumpus, always love it when you join me right here in the sports pit and looking forward to talking more with you Wednesday on Danny and Galan at 8 o'clock. All right, Galan, have a good one, man. The one and only Michael Bumpus, everybody. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Galan Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Okay, so we'll continue this conversation about Julio Jones. What's the absolute most that you would be willing to give up for Julio Jones? Michael Bumpus just said he would offer a first-round pick, so he's going to go the route of the Los Angeles Rams. He's going to put all his chips on the table. Plus, do you want me to talk about the unluckiest athlete in Seattle and how you can help him? Why I don't think the Seahawks can accomplish this goal this offseason, or why sports needs more Lupinella types. You get to pick one of those. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. What's the absolute most that you would give up to trade for Julio Jones? A lot of you guys said you'd go as far as trading a second-round pick. Michael Bumpus just said he'd go so far as to trading a first-round pick. You know what my answer is. Fourth-round pick, and even then, I'm just wondering about how this really helps you go from where you're at right now to that next level. It makes you better, no doubt but it makes you better in a spot that I don't think gets you closer to a Super Bowl. What would? Trading for someone like Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots cornerback who is supposedly open. Interesting text, though, 710-710. A long one. Paul, what does Stephon Gilmore cost you? Probably more. I would think at least a first-round pick, and even though he's on the last year of his contract, I think there's an assumption that you would sign him to an extension. So do you trade for him? And I'm saying not just you as far as the Seahawks. I'm saying as far as across the league. And that might be difficult given that what you have right now with Jamal Adams is a contract standoff potentially and DK Metcalf's contract is one that you have to take care of next offseason. Are you really going to be willing to spend money on Stephon Gilmore? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know that they would necessarily do that. The one-year rental thing is definitely a move that Seattle would make, but is New, is New England going to part ways with Stephon Gilmore in a year where it seems like they're trying to contend with all the moves that they made this offseason for something less than a second-round pick? Doubtful, even with one year left on his contract. Anywho, the text continues. He's on the last year of his deal. He's going to want a contract extension right now. His 2021 cap cost is similar to Julio. So if you're trading for Gilmore, he would need to cost you less based on all these factors. But all signs show he would cost you the same or even more draft pick-wise. You must extend him and pay top-of-market salary now without him ever playing for you. I don't know that you necessarily need to do that, and I, I don't think you should be so nervous about the idea of trading somebody, trading for somebody 
a hired gun for one year, and then moving on. I mean, the Seahawks just did that this past year with Carlos Dunlap. They did it the year before with Jadevian Clowney. Was the defense not better for both of those guys? Now, Dunlap, of course, came back. Clowney did not. Those two players, no matter how much you want to talk about Clowney not living up to the hype or Dunlap being overpaid at that contract that he was under, both made a market impact on the Seahawks' defense over the last couple of seasons. And a hired gun like Stephon Gilmore for one year would also, I think, give you that kind of an extra edge at a position where right now you do not have a number one corner. You do not. You might have by the end of the season, DJ Reed might be able to prove that he belongs at that spot. He has not to this point in his career. Not a, it's nothing to hold against him. I think he's got a chance. That's more than you should be able to say for a cornerback who is t- completely the opposite of what the Seahawks have traditionally looked for at cornerback before. Anyway, this text continues. Julio costs less is a lot less long-term commitment, even with him under contract for three seasons. I, see, I don't know because you're all of a sudden starting to see the Jones injury pop up. And look, someone brought up, oh, look at what Jones has played the last three years. It's really just last season. He played 16 games and 15 games, respectively, over the last two years, before last season, the two years before last season, where he only played nine games. The hamstring injury happens once. I'm telling you, it happens again. It really does. 710-710. I'm in awe that this is a discussion to get Julio. He's a shell of himself. That's wrong. He's not a shell of himself. He will hamper the development of every other receiver. He doesn't fit the offense, and he would be crippling on the salary cap. This is complete idiocy. I'm not going to go that far. I understand why you entertain it. It makes you better, but it doesn't make you better in the right spots. Text Julio would be the next Josh Gordon, not suspended, but actually on the field. Gosh, that was such a bummer. And that is tempting, but a third-round pick's top is what this person would give up. Another texter from Big Scott. We have bigger fish to frish. Bigger fish to fry. Got it. We need to figure out Jamal and either sign him or ship him. We can't afford to wait and need to make a decision before September. Then add luxuries. Eh, you can do all these things when it comes to contract negotiations and still make a trade. You can make that happen. I don't think that they need to have the Jamal Adams contract done to make any next big move. Text in, having three elite wide receivers can alleviate a ton of pressure on the offensive line, maybe. Okay, guys, the question of the day, as far as what I talk about, at 1045, you had three choices. We actually have a tie right now. How to help the unluckiest athlete in Seattle, 15%. Why I don't see how the Seahawks accomplish one of their goals this offseason, 42.3%. Why sports needs more loop Pinella types. 42.3%. Oh, no, we have a tie. Guess what? I'm going to pander, and I'm going to go to talk about one of the most beloved figures in Seattle sports history, and that is Lou Pinella, who we found out uh, this weekend is battling cancer from an ex-teammate of his. We're all thinking about Lou Pinella. We're wishing him the best. Lou Pinella is just a hilarious character in baseball history and someone that made being angry into a humorous art. And I would encourage all of you, if you haven't seen it, especially if you're someone that's my age or younger, go up and look up the tirade that he had against a second-base umpire in 1998 in a Mariners-Indians game in the ninth inning. It is really funny to see him kicking his hat. But what I am most struck by with Lou Pinella, and I learned a lot about Lou Pinella over the last couple of weeks because I read Art Teal's great book, out of left field. 
which is a book about the 1995 Seattle Mariners and the years afterwards. And basically, it's the entire history of the Seattle Mariners because what's really happened since 2002, 2003? Not a whole lot. And that's when the book was published. Lupinella was the kind of hardo that I feel like we could use more of in sports. We seem to be going away from that, right? Pete Carroll is almost avant-garde in how player-friendly he is. And it's not to say that you don't want coaches like that. Tom Coughlin's, Bill Belichick's in football, they might be becoming dinosaurs, but there is something with someone like Lou Pinella, who was doing stuff in spring training in 1993, like locking up the food room saying, quote, this isn't a bleeping country club. We got the mother bleeping sandwiches and the mother bleeping pizza. We got the bleeping mini bars. I'm sick and tired of this bleep. Closing it until the Mariners actually were able to do anything out there. And you know what? Maybe it didn't really work out so well early on. But those are the kind of things that when you bring in someone like that to an organization, it can have immediate dividends. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll make a comparison right now in the NBA. The New York Knicks are not going to win their first round series against the Atlanta Hawks. They're not. They are vastly, vastly outmatched when it comes to talent. They don't have someone like Trey Young. Julius Randle all of a sudden being good this year. It's an anomaly. But they have a hard head coach in Tom Thibodeau. And when you have a guy like that, that is your coach, he is going to be able to squeeze, I think, every single bit of effort that you possibly can out of a team. I would like to see in a society that today seems to be looking at more of a, hey, we're going to let these guys be themselves and we're going to trust that they will act in the best interests of the team on their own time. I think there is an element of the person who is willing to put a boot up your butt and motivate you. Lupinella was great at that. And we're all thinking about him today and hoping that he will be able to pull through this cancer diagnosis, which we found out about over the weekend. Lots of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. To our callers, our texters, and our tweeters. To Michael Bumpus, who stopped by in the sports pit. And, of course, to the great Maura Dooley behind the glass. I am merely Paul Gallant. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Paul Gallant Show. iTunes, Spotify, yada, yada, yada. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next.